So good evening. We are uh, doing our our podcast on the road this week. We are uh, at uh, uh, Dr. Leo's office, and we are enjoying kind of a round-the-table Bible study tonight. So I'd like you to open up your Bibles, if you will, to the book of Ephesians, chapter 4, verse 23. We're also going to be in Philippians, chapter 2, verse 5. So let's pray. Father, we give you thanks and praise for this day. Lord, even though it's raining and storming outside, Lord, we know that, uh, that you calm the storms for us. Lord, we give you thanks for this time, for this place. Lord, let this, uh, let this Bible study be a blessing to those who hear it today. Give us ears to hear and eyes to see and hearts to receive your word tonight, Lord. Satan, we put you on notice. You're not welcome in this place. We bind you and every spirit and every spirit not of the Holy Spirit, all wicked spirits in high places, binding Satan first and the ruler spirits and any spirits with assignments against this place or our Bible study. We come against you with the blood of Jesus. We decree all plans against this Bible study or anybody here or anybody listening null and void, and we send them back to their to their origination sevenfold. Father, we give you thanks and praise for the delegated power of your son, Jesus Christ. Father, we believe that we receive, we empty ourselves as vessels for your glory and your honor tonight. And the saints said in agreement, Amen. Amen. All right. Tonight we're talking about attitude. And attitude is extremely important in the Christian life because it's at the basis of everything that you are. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 23, it says, And that you be renewed in the spirit of your mind. If you're reading from the New International Version, it says the attitude of your mind. You say, wait a minute, how is this? Isn't the mind, isn't the mind the soul or part of the the the, the, the soul being the mind, will, and emotions? You know, the, the spirit, how do you have the spirit of your mind? The actual word here used is pneuma. That's P-N-U-M-A. In Greek, that means the spirit or spirit man. It also means your mental disposition. You see, the soul, okay, or the, the, the soul man is your mind, will, and emotions. Okay, and that in the Greek is the word suke. That's P-S-U-C-H-E. What we're talking about here is the renewing of your the spirit of your mind or your attitude. How do we do that? Well, there's a hierarchy that exists in the in the life of the believer. If you have not been born again, if you have not accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, your spirit you're spiritually dead or asleep. Now, if you think about that for a minute, and you think about that, a majority of the world. Uh, is working from the soul level, which is the mind, the will, and the emotions. These are the people that are in charge of our governments. These are the people that are in charge of our of our uh, of our armies, of our nuclear weapons. Think about that for a second. That gets to be kind of scary when you're looking at people that are not spiritually awake. The believer, on the other hand, has available to him the power of God, ministering directly to his spirit. The scripture says that his spirit ministers to our spirit, right? But unless we allow the spirit to minister to us and to manipulate our soul or our soul man, which is the mind, the will, and the emotions, which would then control our body, okay, which is the physical man, 
we're basically dealing at the same level as the world. Now, how do we do that? Well, there, there's, a, there's a few different principles that we're going to touch on tonight and that we need to establish because there's a, a, a whole lot of Christians out there that are living a compromised faith walk simply because of their attitude. You know, it takes just as much effort to have a bad attitude as it does a good one. And really many of us, especially those of us who who, who have given our lives to Christ and, and seen the, the power of the Holy Spirit working in our lives, there really is nothing for us to have a bad attitude about. I was uh, I was talking to someone the other day, and 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 they were telling me, well, you know, why do why did you know bad things happen to good people? So, well, let's stop and think about that for a second, because really, if you stop to think about it, the scripture says that there's not a righteous one one among us, right? Not a one. Okay, so then let's turn that around for a minute. So, if the scripture says that we're all inherently bad, right? Every single person, not even Christians, not believers, nobody is good. So, if there's nobody good and everybody's bad then why should good things happen to bad people at all? You see, and I'll tell you what it is. It's God's grace. God's favor on your life, which is undeserved by all of us. It's a gift of God given to us free through the death and resurrection and the blood of Jesus Christ. It has nothing to do with you or me. We have nothing to do with the grace of God, except for just to say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your favor. So when, when bad things happen to us as believers, though, we know that because God is governing our lives, you see, uh, the, the world doesn't know who's governing our lives. They're kind of like a, a car that's, that's, that's just on autopilot and it's just driving wherever it can and, and, if, and it just kind of bumps against walls and then whoops, it shouldn't go that way again and just kind of goes over there and bumps against that wall over there. That isn't, that isn't the way that a Christian needs to conduct their life. See, we have this book, okay? And this book is God's will and his word. God does nothing outside of his word. Turn with me, if you will, for a minute to Philippians chapter 2. And in verse 5, it says, Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus. Have this attitude, okay, or this spirit, or this spirit man, or this mindset in yourselves, which is like Christ, right? And, and what, what does that mean? Well, what was, what was Jesus' attitude? Jesus' attitude was his will. And what was his will? Well, God's word. You see, if we live our lives according to God's word, okay, and nothing else. See, we've got, we've got too many things in the world. Well, too many people sitting out there going, well, I think this, and I think that, and I think that. Well, who cares what you think? You tried doing it your way for how many years before you came to the Lord? You know, when you when you decided to come to the Lord and give your life to him, wasn't it because you were at your wits end, because you were at the end of your rope, because you were tired of doing it your way? You didn't take a a holy breather. You didn't accept Jesus so that you could take a break and then go back to your carnal ways. You see, you became a disciple or a slave or a bondservant of the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul said, I'm a bondservant. I'm a slave to Jesus. When Jesus walked on this earth, okay, for 33 years, you know he walked in your shoes. Everything that you've ever experienced, he experienced it right along with you. He did it all. He suffered everything you'd ever suffer, every loss. He suffered losses. He suffered, he, he, he suffered ridicule. 
He, uh, he was uh, rejected. He was beaten. I mean, all these different things that were done to Jesus, there is not anything in the world that you're going to go through that Christ did not do just like you, okay, in those 33 years. And guess what? He overcame them by the power of the Holy Spirit. You see, the Holy Spirit is the key to this whole thing. I mean, we can go to church every week, folks, okay, and we can still be walking a compromised faith walk. Well, why? Because we're doing it by our soul, by our mind, by what we think, by by what the, the guy up there says. Instead of understanding that we we can have a direct relationship with Christ. See, when you get saved, when you pray the prayer, okay, when you when you ask Jesus into your heart, that's just the as as Paul Harvey would say, that's the beginning of the story. Christ, not only does he want to live inside of you, but he wants to have a relationship with you. Jesus said, I knock at the door of your heart and those who invite me in, I will come in and dine with them. Okay, and, and dining, of course, as we've discussed in the past in, in Middle Eastern culture is a big deal. If, if somebody from the Middle East invites you to come and eat with them, that's a, that's a big honor. I mean, they're, they're sharing their food with you. They're, they're sharing a good time with you. It's a big, you know, and the Italians that are here, you know, you know about manja manja. You know, it's a big thing to sit around with the family and talk and fellowship and enjoy. Christ wants to do that with you in the spirit. When you were born again, your spirit was immediately resurrected. Remember, we talked a few minutes ago about that folks that don't have uh, Christ as Lord and Savior of their lives are spiritually asleep or dead. Okay, when you invited the Lord Jesus Christ into your heart, what you did was you activated the spirit in your life. Now, when you did that, then you decided, you know, I'm going to make this public proclamation of my salvation. And that's called water baptism. Okay. Jesus was water baptized by John. And the baptism here is for the repentance of sin. And it's a public declaration as you go down into the water and you come up out of the water that you're putting the old man to death. Okay. And it's a symbolic gesture before people. But there's, but there's another thing that, that can, that will take place if you ask for it, and that is a baptism in the Holy Spirit, which is basically it, in, it empowers you with certain gifts. See, Christ gives you his power, okay? Christ said, what I do, you'll do, and more, for I go to the Father, and we're going to touch on that in this Bible study. But basically what, what, what that means is that Christ delegated his power to you. You're not just a guy who knows Christ. Christ says, I want to come and live inside of you. I want you to be my vessel. You notice at the beginning of the Bible studies, we always pray, we empty ourselves as vessels for your use, for your glory, and your honor. You understand? A vessel, a cup, a, a, a cup in itself is nice. You look at a cup and you say, well, that's a pretty cup. But then when they pour something nice to drink in it, Something flavorful with a nice aroma, a nice coffee or, or what have you. It, it's, it's a, it's a very nice and enjoyable thing. It's the same thing when we empty ourselves as vessels for the Lord's use and He fills us up with His Holy Spirit and we are able to then fellowship with Him and His Spirit will indwell us and will control our bodies. So that if you look at it kind of like a pyramid, with God on top, the Holy Spirit will minister to your spirit man, which will then minister to your soul man, which will then direct your body. You understand? But if you don't put your soul 
in control of your spirit, then your soul is going to be subject to itself, which is the mind, will, and the emotions. And what does that mean? Well, that means that you're going to just, you're going to be thrown about everywhere because you're going to just do what your emotions tell you to. Well, I just felt like doing that. Or, you know, I just felt like this, or I feel like that. Christians don't worry about how we feel. We've learned, do you, do you think, think about it for a second, do you think that Christ felt really good going up there on the cross? But he went anyway, you see? And, and, and people say, well, but I'm not Jesus. Well, yes, you are. Absolutely you are. If you've got Christ inside of you, then you do have Jesus inside of you. And the more you, the, the, the more you go, the more he is. John said, John said, I must decrease so that he increase. You understand? So the whole idea is that when people look at you, they don't see Mikey. They don't see Leo. They don't see Sandy. They don't see Dee. They don't see Marianne. They see Jesus inside of you. They see, they say, wow, you know, what is it with you people? What makes you so happy? What, what is it that makes you so peaceful? You know, when, when all these things are going around, when all of this, the, the prices are going on and the wars, you notice just last week we had more storms. And then the, the folks in China, they had an aftershock. I mean, as if they hadn't had enough. Folks, we're entitled as Christians to understand the story. We read the book. This book right here, it tells the whole story. I'm not surprised about what's going on in China. I'm not surprised about the wars that are going on. I'm not surprised about the weather patterns that we're experiencing. I'm not surprised about how bad things look. Do you know that the scripture says that the Holy Spirit will be lifted? Do you realize that we, right now, this world, believe it or not, is not as bad as it could be? The Bible says that God's Spirit, the Holy Spirit himself, is actually restraining the world. But there will come a day where God will lift that Holy Spirit from this world and allow everybody who doesn't want the Holy Spirit to live the way that they want to live. That was the scariest thing for me because I, I'll never forget when I, when I got saved, I had a, uh, what I tell people was kind of a Damascus Road experience. I was sitting at a table, the room around me disappeared and, uh, and I was in the presence of this thing at the time and I didn't know what it was. And I know now it was the Spirit of the Lord and the Lord said to me, he said, um, I have good plans for you, but there's another who has plans for you as well. Accept my plan for you today. If you do not, I'll never bother you again. And that was it. I came back. That was it. I'll never forget what a chilling feeling that was for the Lord to say, I'll never bother you again. Look at what a gentleman the Holy Spirit is to tell you, I'll never bother you. He sees you where you're at. You see, do you know that when you start talking to non-believers about God and all that, that bothers them? It bothers them because they see the joy in you. They don't understand what you got. It makes them angry because they want what you've got. They see that when you get, when, 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 when somebody yells at you at work, you just smile and you bless them or, or, you know, when, when somebody cuts you off in traffic, you don't worry about it, man. You just keep going. Or, or is that not you? You see, that's the real key here. What's your attitude? How do you handle adversity in your life? How do you handle negative situations? How do you handle uh, all of these different types of situations that cross each and every one of us every day? Problems with spouses, problems with finances, problems with children, problems with, uh, with, with co-workers and with employees and employers. How do you deal with them? Do you, do you deal with them as the world does? Do you react? 
negatively? Do you get angry? Or, or, do you, uh, or do you respond the way that God would respond, the way that Jesus would respond? This is not something that, that, we, that we just do once when we get saved and, and that's it. We, we need to obey the word of God. We need to get in line with his word and make sure that, that we're living life the way that God wants us to live. And why? Is it for his benefit? No. God doesn't need you to live your life right for him. Obviously, it gives him glory if you do. But God loves you and he's giving you a way to live your life better. And he wants you to live your life that way. And how do you do that? Well, we do that through, through self-examination. Turn with me, if you will, to Lamentations. It's in the Old Testament. Lamentations, chapter 3. You see, Scripture builds upon Scripture, folks. This is an important thing for us. And it's important that we see, if if somebody sits there and tries to give you a a teaching or a sermon based on one Scripture, don't walk, run. Because that means that they're just twisting the word of God to the way that they want it to be. You understand? Scripture builds upon Scripture. Lamentations chapter 3 verse 40. And it says, Let us examine and probe our ways. And let us return to the Lord. Let us examine and probe. Now, it's interesting that we're sitting in a dentist's office today. Probe. <laughs> because we... There's a big difference, and I can assure you from... Go, having gone through a deep cleaning yesterday, that there's a whole big difference between you guys examining my mouth when you guys go in there with them little instruments and start probing under the gums and start really seeking out that stuff that's hidden in there. You see, we are to examine ourselves all the time, constantly. We're not to ridicule ourselves. You see, the world has this, this false, this, this false sense of humility. Oh, I'm just such a wormly worm. I'm just such a wormly worm. I'm such a low life nobody. No, that's not, that's not what I mean here when I say that we're to examine ourselves. We're to examine ourselves and, and compare ourselves to what the scripture says of us. The Bible says that you're the head and not the tail. Okay, do you feel like the head today? The scripture says that you're blessed and highly favored. Do you feel blessed and highly favored? The scripture says that you're a child of the most high king. Do you feel like a prince or a princess today? And that's just the beginning. That's just the beginning. If you feel this way, and if you feel other ways that you know the Bible should, should say you feel about yourself, okay, then you know you're, you're standing right with God. How are you responding to people? How are you dealing with people? How are you dealing with adverse situations in your life? You know, everybody here, everybody, I don't care how holy you are. Everybody here and everybody listening to this podcast has an attitude problem. Because I can, I can assure you, you do, because none of us are perfect. Okay, and even if you've really achieved, uh, achieved that, 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 that level of, uh, of, uh, uh, of perfection in this area or another it doesn't matter. The, the bottom line is that there is something about you, something that is going to just get you going, man. It's just going to give you a, a bad attitude or, or make you angry or make you really upset or make you sad. There, there is always something. The Bible says that the good work he has begun in us, 
he will bring to completion. But the way that he brings it to completion, remember we talked about earlier that Christ did everything according to his will, which was in his word. You understand? So what we need to do is we need to align our will with the will of God. What did Christ say? Not my will, Lord, but let your will be done. You understand? And how did he do that? Well, he aligned himself with the Father. And he gives us the ability to align ourselves with him. And how often do we do this? You don't have to necessarily turn there, but in 1 Corinthians 15, 31, Paul said, I die daily, every day. I was talking to, I was talking to somebody today and I, and I said to them, well, you know, how, how, how long ago was it that you were spending time with the Lord and praising God? And, and, and they said, well, I, I was just doing that over the weekend. Really? And how did it do? Oh, I felt great. I felt in the spirit and this and that. And, uh, and when did you get back to the stinking thinking? The next day. <laughs> so you see, it's, it's a point of we need to die daily. You see, your attitude is actually the mirror of your heart. The scripture says that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Think about that for a minute. Your beliefs follow your attitude. So if you've got a bad attitude, guess what? You're going to believe wrong. Your speech follows your attitude. If you have a bad belief because you have a bad attitude and you have a bad speech or a bad word to say, well, in, in Proverbs 18.21, what does it say? We've talked about it before. Life and death are in the power of the tongue and those who indulge in it Shall what? Eat the fruits of it. You see, do you know that in Genesis chapter 1, God said, and it was. God said, and it was. Do you realize how much power your words really have? I was preparing for this study, and I've always thought about it saying, wow, you know, this is believers, you know, believers, you know, you've got a lot of power in your words, believers. No. Actually, God said, let us make man in our image, which means he didn't say, let us make believers in our image. Right? And if you're rightly dividing the word, um, then if God made man in his image, that's everybody, saved or unsaved in God's image, okay? And God spoke and it was. Then anything anybody says is. Your words are seeds. The, the world calls it the power of positive speaking or positive thinking or what have you, you know? But the, the reality is they're faith-filled words. Now, you can either speak faith-filled words or fear-filled words. You know that faith and fear are the same thing? All faith is, is, is believing God, believing that God can do something. Fear is believing that God can't. When you fear, what you're saying is, God, you're not big enough. Your, your, your word isn't true in this. It may be true in everything else, but God, you're, you're, you're too puny a God for this one. You're not bigger than my circumstance. You're not bigger than this cancer. You're not bigger than this situation that I have. You're not bigger than this divorce that I'm going through. You're not bigger than this child that's out on drugs. God, you're not bigger than that. You're, you're, you're too puny a God to deal with that situation. You understand? How, how would you feel if you told somebody, hey, I can handle that for you in this? You're a liar. You can't. You see, we got to get it right, folks. We got to get our attitudes right. We got to understand that that in this time, in this era of our lives, in this time in the world in the world we're living in, it's so important that we as Christians show a positive Christian attitude. Okay, because we read the story. We know that we know that we know that our Redeemer lives. And we know that this place that we're here at right now, this is just temporary, man. He's coming back. 
He's coming back and he's going to take us with him. And hey, if he doesn't come in our lifetimes, guess what? When we die, we're going to go be with him anyway. So what is there to be negative about what? You can't pay your mortgage. So, hey, listen, God will work it out. How you look at your circumstance is what it's going to be. Let me show you something. Go turn with me, if you will, to the book of Mark. Chapter 11, 23. Jesus is talking here, says, Truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and be put into the sea and has no doubt in his heart, but has faith that what he says will come about, he will have his desire. Think about that. Let's look at this. Okay. Now, remember, we we talked about your attitude, right? We talked about life and death is in the tongue, right? And those who indulge in it shall what? They shall eat the fruits of it. If you have a negative confession over your situation, you're going to have exactly what you say. Okay, do, you, do you realize that you could totally pray for something? You can be fine. You can go before the Lord and you can pray. Oh, Lord, you know, I, I, I believe that you're, you're healing me from this, uh, this affliction that I'm dealing with and this and that. And then turn around and, and somebody say, well, how are you feeling today? Well, the doctor says I'm sick. The doctor says I've got this and that. And the other. Guess what you just did? Do you, do you realize that what you say will nullify what you pray? Let me repeat that. What you say will nullify what you pray. That's important. Uh, but don't even talk about it. Doesn't even, doesn't even need, doesn't even need to be mentioned. Nothing. You know, they, they talk about give the devil his due. No, I don't give the devil an inch. If you give, if you give the devil an inch into your house, you let the devil into your house, he's going to want to charge you rent. I'm feeling blessed and highly favored of the Lord today. Well, you look a little peaked. Really? I feel great. I feel wonderful. Praise God. And really, it has everything to do with your attitude. And Christian, you have no reason to have a bad one. Turn to the, the Gospel of John. Chapter 14, verse 12. Truly I say to you, he who puts his faith in who? In me will do the very works which I do and he will do what? Greater Greater things than these. Now, what did Jesus do? Jesus healed the sick. Jesus made the blind see. Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. Do you know that if your faith were to take you to that point that you can do these things and what does it say right here? And greater. Why? For I'm going to my father. See, when Jesus left, he didn't just leave and say, well, I'm taking it all with me, folks. He left, he left the Holy Spirit, the paraclete. That's right. Okay. The, the, the comforter or the restrainer or the teacher. Okay. And that Holy Spirit indwells in us. Okay. And teaches us all things. The Bible says that you have no need that any man teach you anything. But the Holy Spirit of God will teach you all things. Well, what then why do we have Bible teachers? Well, because most of us don't take the time to establish a relationship with the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit uses Bible teachers to woo mankind, to woo even believers and say, hey, come and enjoy a relationship with the Holy Spirit. It's good, man. It's good. It's a good thing. It's a great thing to know that life has been settled. How many people walk through life and don't know why things happen to them? They don't understand why this is happening. What the, I can assure you that any question you have about your life, about your circumstance, now you may not like the answer, but I can find it in this book. Where else? What other, what other religion, what other God, if you will, 
can offer that to anyone and tell you, I have your life, your, your life is my main concern. And I love you so much that I sent my son to die for you. And on top of that, I left you my testament. I left you my will, your inheritance. You see, and this is why I don't understand. I truly have a big problem understanding about attitude. But even I, ha ha ha, they say pride cometh before the fall. Because, <laughs> because uh, I'll tell you a story. I was flying to, uh, to Canada last week, right? And... My real name is not Mike. I've been being called Mike so long that Mike is on all my credit cards. Mike is on everything except for my real, you know, my real papers, you know, my, my, my birth certificate and my, my passport. In this, this particular case, it was about my passport. Well, I went out onto Orbitz and I booked my airline ticket like I usually do. And on Orbitz, I'm Mike. So I get my airline ticket and I, I go to, uh, to Air Canada on, on, uh, on Monday night to uh, to do my my you know my pre check in online and I realize oh lord it says Mike man I was just just destroyed I was like oh man what am I gonna do you know and I called up Air Canada Air Canada oh we we can't do anything for you you booked it through United so United oh we can't change the name on a ticket Mike is so different that it's not a mistake this and that and the other I called Orbitz I mean I spent three hours literally three hours and all the time devil's telling me you're not going to fly you're not going to be able to go you're not and folks you don't understand uh, just for me to get that passport was a miracle and all through this whole process that i was getting my passport i was getting i'm telling lord lord if it's your will open the door open the door god is being faithful he's opening the door opening the door opening the door now i find a little stumbling block and here comes the stinking thinking oh man I'm not going to make it. And my attitude was awful. I was like, oh man, I, 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 I tell people, I miss snuggling with my wife the night before I went on, uh, I went on, a, on an airplane, you know, to hang out with my kids and everything. Because you never know, tomorrow's not promised to any man. Amen. So I always make sure that, that, that I hang out with everybody and, and spend a nice evening. I, I was obsessed with this problem. And they were like, oh, well, you know, you're going to have to maybe spend $1,200 on a new ticket. I am not going to spend $1,200 on a new ticket. So I finally, I finally got to the point where a lot of us Christians get to say, well, you know what? All I can do is pray. Okay? Here, Mr. Bible teacher. All I can do now is pray. So I did. I said, well, Lord, you know what? I'm going to wake up tomorrow and I'm going to go. And if it's your will that I get on that plane, Lord, I'm going to get on that plane. So I got up the next morning and I get in the car um, and I, I get to the airport. And I just walk in and I just hand the guy at the, at the, at the desk my uh my passport and i hand him my ticket and he looks at it says i'll be right back he didn't even tell me what, what the deal was but i knew what the deal was and he said and he said i'll be right back so he uh, he comes back he says all set i said really and he said yeah he said just go through the gate so i get to the gate and uh, i get my seat assignment and everything i get on the plane and i'm sitting in my seat and i'm back in coach you know hanging out and the, the flight attendant comes over and says mr calvo you know, I, I see you're a little scrunched up there with your dog and whatnot. You know, we, we have an extra place up here in first class. Why don't you come up here and sit here? And I said, sure. Thank you, Jesus. So I got up there and then they're like, hey, would you like breakfast, sir? We have breakfast and up here and, you know, and here's a pair of headphones and we're showing a movie and, you know, and, and, and all that. Would you like a blanket for your dog? You know, and I mean, it was like, wow, this is so cool. You know, so I get to Canada. I do my thing. I'm praising God. Hallelujah, God. Thank you, Jesus. So I, I'm, I'm getting to Canada. I was there in Canada for one day. 
the next day I come back and I was coming back with a, with a, with a friend of mine, with one of our, our, our distributors from Canada. And I said, Hey man, why don't you read me my ticket just to make sure everything's good. I just gotten it out of the, out of the uh, machine and the curiosity was killing me, you know, about what was going on. And, uh, with how did they, how did I get through, you know? And he says, wow, I've never seen this before. I said, what? He says, they have you as M. Calvo. I said, so that's how he did it, you know? And I said, praise God, that's so cool. I was like, dude, you have no idea what God has done. And I told him the whole story. And I said, see, I, I said, when a man is right with his God, and in this case, it's God's grace because I wasn't right with God because I had a really nasty attitude um, about the whole thing. I said, you know, we find favor. And he said, yeah, man, that's amazing. So I get to the gate again, okay? And I'm I'm back in there and I'm sitting down again. And, and again, I'm sitting in coach and they say, would you like to come up to first class again? And I rode first class back to Orlando from Canada, okay? What do I tell you this long drawn out personal story for? It's to show you that attitude is everything. It didn't work for me. I kept running into brick walls. Okay, I kept getting no, no, no. The devil was having a field day telling me what my little flesh wanted to hear. You see, because I wasn't, I wasn't allowing my spirit to control my soul man, which then controls my body. You understand? And how does that happen? Well, when you let your spirit control your, your, your mind and your soul and your body, then you say spirit-filled words. You understand? If you don't let the spirit control you, as we spoke about in, in, in Ephesians 4.23, then what do you get? Well, you get the stinking thinking. You get the stinking thinking. And why would you want to do that? Once I said, once I gave up, I said, God, if it's your will for me to do this, I, I truly believe that if I would have kept talking mess about that and kept saying how bad it was and how negative it was going to be and how I was going to barely get on that plane if I got on it at all or whatever, without doubting, Jesus said here, he said, without doubting, you can't doubt that, listen, I don't care if you've got to bite your tongue, if you've got to bite your arm don't let negative words come out of your mouth when you've already prayed and God has established in your spirit that it's a done deal. If it's a done deal, it's a done deal. God is watching over his word, okay, to perform it. Turn, turn with me, if you will, to the book of James, chapter 1. Chapter 1 in verse 6. It says, but let him, which is us, let him ask in faith without any doubting, for the one who doubts is like surf of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. But let him ask in faith. In faith. Say after me. In, in faith. faith. Let him ask in, in faith. faith. Without, 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 without doubting. doubting. How much doubting? Any doubting. That means zero. If, if I'm not going to give you any of my chocolate ice cream, right? Am I going to give you some of my chocolate ice cream? If I tell you I'm not going to give you any of it, so that means zero, right? Zip, zilch. In verse 7 it says, For let not the man expect that he will receive anything from the Lord, being a double-minded man in all of his ways. You see, you can't be wishy-washy, folks. You can't be double-minded. You can't say, oh, I believe that God is going to do this. And then your friend calls you on the phone and tells you what? Oh, man, are you sure? What did the devil do to Eve in the garden? Didn't he make her doubt? And what did that doubt cause her to do? It caused her to disobey God, you see? When you allow the devil to sow seeds of doubt into your heart, 
okay, and into your hearing. You are allowing the enemy a place in your life to cause you to disobey God. You see, if God has shown you something, if you've got something you've been praying for, a relationship, a family member, um, a promotion on your job, anything, okay, problems in your marriage, problems with your kids, any of that stuff, if you and God have settled it, okay, if you've gone to the Lord, you've prayed, and, and remember that with God, everything is yes, yes, and amen. God may tell you no, or may tell you not yet, okay? He'll only tell you no if it's not good for you. I mean, I have I have little kids and 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 they like candy and I I give them candy, but at ten o'clock at night, my two year old says M and M's, M and M's, M and M's. Now we all know better. Now I'm a mean daddy because I don't give her M and M's at you know ten o'clock at night. Mean daddy, mean daddy. No, ten o'clock at night. You know, first of all, you should me up. I'll give you M and M's tomorrow when I think it's a good time for you to have the M and M's. You understand? And it's the same way. When you ask God for something, God may tell you not yet. If you've looked over his scripture and you see where God says, this is yours. Okay. And there's, there's dozens and dozens and dozens of books out there on God's promises. You can look in your concordance. I'm sure for God's promises, look for anything in red. (laughs) Most of the stuff Jesus said, okay, was promises of your inheritance and what God has for you. Okay. And if you take God at his word, And God says to you, well, not right now, because we've got this to take care of, or we've got that to take care of. For example, you you have no idea how many people I talk to say, well, my problem's money. Really? Why? Well, man, if I just had enough money to get out of debt. If you had enough money to get out of debt, well, what happened? Well, I overextended myself, and I bought this, and I bought that, and I didn't pay this. And Well, wait a minute. Your, your, Your problem isn't that you don't have enough money. It's that you don't know how to manage the little you got. You understand? So God giving you a million dollars, even though God is the owner of the cattle on every hill, he is not going to give you a million dollars, not going to give you anything until you're faithful and you know and you show him how you can handle the little bit that he did give you. You understand? It's it's not sometimes of course we want to just get over it and say, well, you know, God just doesn't doesn't care to give me this or care to give me that. No, God wants to give you everything. God wants to give you everything. You're a child. There's no grandchildren to God. Everybody's sons and daughters. And how do you feel about your sons and daughters? Don't you want to give them everything you have? But the thing is that we goof it up. We mess it up with our stinking thinking, with the way that we that with the way that we confess over our situations, with our bad attitude. Any of you guys have teenagers that just you know when they're like between 13 and 17 and and they've got that sullen face on and everything is just and you want to you give them a Christmas present or a birthday present. Thanks. Gee, you know, that really felt heartfelt. You know, when you look at your kids and how sullen they are, if they got an attitude, it really takes love <laughs> to keep pushing through and and blessing them and doing the things you do because I mean, they're, they're just, their attitude is just so lousy. But why do you do it? Well, because, because you love them. You know, you love them. And that's the same way. Why, why, why does God continue to bless us in spite of our attitude? Well, because he loves us. But let me tell you, I mean, if that kid were to really get, you know, appreciative and were to really get the right attitude and were to really start handling things the way that I as his father or you as his mother or father would like him to do, I'm sure that you would be much more predisposed to give him whatever his heart desired. 
Well, it's the same thing with the Lord. The Lord is no different. He wants us to be obedient children. He wants us to believe in what he says. Again, if you're in fear, if you're in doubt, you're calling God a liar to his face. Let's call it what it is. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7, it says, We walk by faith, not by sight. Okay, see, the, the, the world says, when I see it, I'll believe it. The Christian says, I'll believe it before I see it. Let me repeat that for you. The world says, I'll believe it when I see it. The Christian says, I'll believe it before I see it. You see, understand that your negative faith, okay, or your your negative attitude is based on what you see. Oh man, I'm looking at all these bills. Oh man, I'm looking at all the layoffs in my job. Oh man, I'm looking at the price of gasoline. Oh man, I'm looking at all the storms going around. Oh man, I'm looking at this and that. If you're living your life according to what you're seeing, you haven't gotten it yet. You don't get it. You don't get it. God, God made the world out of a bunch of mist in the air, man. God made the, the, the world with a word from his mouth. And then he said, I'm going to make man in my image. And Jesus said, you're going to do what I do and more for I go to the father. You see that? That is, that is what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the kind of faith that says, God, I'm going to take you at your word and I'm going to believe by faith, not by sight. It doesn't matter what I see going on in the natural. I'm going to believe what I, what you and I have agreed on in the spirit. You understand? Once you think it, right? Then you speak it. Then you're convicted of it, which means, yep, that's true. And then you walk in it. Once you're in a situation, how do you deal with it? You know, what's the first thing that goes into your head? You know, are you casting that thought down? Are you looking at that thought first? Or is it kind of in the brain and out the mouth? See, a lot of us have, you know, kind of that diarrhea of the mouth thing going on where we think it and it's blah, we just spit it out. No, the Bible says to take every thought and hold it captive. Compare it to the scripture. See what the scripture says about that thought of yours. And then speak accordingly. You understand? Why do we speak accordingly? Because if the devil's telling us, you're going to die, and you immediately say, oh, I'm going to die. Well, guess what you just put out there? No. You know, the devil says, I'm going to, well, Mr. Calvo, you're going to die. <laughs> My Bible says that the days that I live are numbered by the Lord. I won't go until God is ready for me to go. I, I'm, it's declared that I will have a long and abundant life. You see, but I need to know what God says about it first. See, the whole key here is to be able to know what to give back to the devil or to know what to speak. When, when the devil came to Jesus after Jesus was tempted for 40 days and 40 nights out in the wilderness, did Jesus just tell him, well, you know, dude, I'm the son of God and I know better than you and I'm, you know, and I'm smarter than you. And besides, I'm a tough guy and I'm going to die. No, Jesus spoke to him with the word. You notice, because the devil comes to you, how? Well, he comes religious, man. He comes, he comes looking, you know, looking like, well, you know, brother, sister, you know, even if you die, you're going to go spend time with God. So it doesn't really matter. No, 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 no. God's got a purpose for me on earth right here. God's got a purpose for me right here. And if it's his will to take me, well, then he'll take me. But I'm not going to I'm not going to hurry the process along. And that relationship of mine, you know, that relationship of mine is a covenant that I did before God. And God is going to bless that covenant. And God is going to give me a wonderful covenant with my wife or my husband. God is going to, my Bible says that my household will be saved. Those 
those children of mine that are out there doing bad things, well, that's just okay. God is just teaching them the other side right now. But right now, I bind Satan, and I know that those kids are going to be saved because my Bible says that me and my household will be saved. But you're not going to be able to speak these things over your life unless you know what to say. And the only way that you're going to know what to say is to stay in this word. How often do we die? We die daily. How often do we have to go to this word? Daily. Jesus said a man will not live by bread alone, but he'll live by the by the word, okay, which is the bread of life. Jesus was the bread of life. He called himself the bread of life. He's also the word. So how do you do that? Well, you ingest the word. You eat the word. You speak the word. Don't The Bible says to not let this word depart from your mouth. Always speak it. Always speak it. If they call you a Christian freak, so what? Everybody's a freak about something. Everybody in this world is a freak about something. And you know what? If you think it and you speak it, then you're going to get convicted of it. Convicted in this sense of the term is a good thing. It means that you're, that you, that, that it's brought to your memory, that you're for sure, that you know, that you know, that you know, you're convicted. It's a conviction. I'm a, I tell people before, they say, well, don't you ever want to go back to what you used to do? And I tell people, well, no, I mean, I'm a victim of my own convictions, man. I can't. God, I read the word. I've seen the truth. I can't unsee truth. So I can't go back. I'm convicted to be who I am today. Okay. Because I could, sure, I could be stupid and I could go back to where I used to be, but I know better. See, there's a difference between being ignorant and stupid. And I would submit that there are a whole lot of stupid Christians because they know where to go. And let me tell you, listen, last, last week I was pretty stupid too. Look at what I was doing. I knew what God said. I've been telling God all this time, God, open the doors for me, open the doors for me. And, and one, one, insurmountable thing in my little puny pea brain came around and I said, and in my stupidity, I said, no, God can't do this. You see, and it took me beating my head against the wall. But see, you know, some people would say, well, yeah, but I've been like that all my life. I, I, I can't change. I can't change. Well, we're, 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 we're coming to a close, I promise. How do we, how do we change this? Because this is a problem right? What it is, is it's a heart problem. Okay, turn with me, if you will, to Romans chapter 2. What we need is called circumcision of the heart. Go down to verse 29, chapter 2, verse 29. The circumcision we're talking about here is not a physical circumcision. It's a circumcision of the heart. And how is that done? It's done by the Spirit, okay? Not by the letter. You see, Back in those days, the, the Jews, and even today, the Jews place a very high value on circumcision. They also place a very high value on the letter of the law. But Jesus said that the letter of the law kills, but the spirit of the law, which is the Holy Spirit, okay, brings life. You understand? So what we need to do is we need to get that spirit into us. We need to get that word into us and allow it to transform our lives. Who cares what mama said about you? This is what God says about you. Who cares what your ex-wife or your ex-husband said about you? This is what God says about you. Who cares what, what you think of yourself even? This is what God thinks of you. Let me tell you something. When you can't think of your, anything good of yourself, forget about yourself. Come to the end of yourself. Go into this book and say, God, what do you think about me? Because I don't think a lot about me today. You see, but a lot of a lot of us would say, well, I'm not even good enough to go to God. God meets you right where you're at. 
you know, those of you that are that are listening to this this teaching and saying, well, yeah, Mikey, but you don't know where I've been, man. You don't know all the things that I've done. And I would say to you, friend, you don't know where I've been. You don't know what I've done. But I will tell you one thing, that Jesus cleans his fish after he catches them. You're never going to get clean enough to come to God. Okay, Jesus needs you to come to him first. If you bring Jesus into your situation, he is most certainly going to give you a way out of that situation. But you can't be passive. Passivity is just death to your faith walk. Okay, do you understand that? Passivity is death to your faith walk. Passivity of mind, passivity of speech, passivity of your actions. Passivity is not something that the Christian needs to do. We cannot be passive. You ever seen people, what are you doing, man? Oh, nothing, just hanging out, just being a bump on a log. You see, you can't do that. You cannot be passive. The enemy is not passive about what he's doing to you. We're in a war, y'all. We've said it before, okay? We've said it before, and we need to be active. We need to be active and we need to be about our father's business. If people are interfering in your life, if they're interfering in your faith walk, if you've got people in your life that are telling you things that you know are against this book, they're not what God says about you. The Bible says that let God be true and every man a liar. That includes your mama, your papa, your grandpa, your grandma, your great grandkids, your grandkids, your kids, your dog, your cat. That includes everybody. If what they say is opposite from this book, you say to yourself or you say to them, you are a liar. You are a liar because my Bible says whatever. I'm this or I'm that or I'm the other or my circumstances like this or my circumstance like that. Listen, you be a Bible thumper. Thump it. Thump it. Because you're on the right team. And let me tell you, the only reason that they want to tell you this stuff is because misery enjoys company. You see? So if they're messed up, if they feel bad, hey, you know, the devil, the devil's an equal opportunity bigot. He's going to take you down right with him. You see, let me tell you, we need to circumcise our heart. We need to examine ourselves. The sad thing is that, that many of us don't deal with the things in our lives that we need to bring before the Lord because of what? Because of pride. Many, many negative attitudes are based on pride. But wait a minute, how is that? Well, because what happens is when you have a negative attitude... When you know there's something wrong in your life, when you really know that, that something's up, that you just need to bring to the Lord, what you do is you start, you know, kind of looking at the, at the splinter and everybody else's eye and kind of putting away the big log in your own, you know? So we, yeah, well, I, I may be like this, but look at that person. They're like that and they're like that and they're like that. And um, Steve Brown, he's a, a, a pastor from up here, a preacher from up here. He said one time, he said, man, I wish that, that we could just get t-shirts made with our worst sin on it, written right on the front of our t-shirt. He said, I think everybody would be so busy covering up their t-shirts so everybody, so nobody else would look at it that, that they wouldn't have time to look at anybody else's t-shirt. You see, I'm not interested in your sin, brothers and sisters. I'm not interested in your sin. I'm simply sharing with you that there's a way out of that stinking thinking. There's a way out of that negative attitude, you see. But if we don't deal with it, if we don't bring it to the Lord, confess your sin, okay? Bring it to the Lord. Say, Father, I know that I've spoken bad things. I know that I've spoken things over my life that shouldn't be. Lord, I know you have a better plan for me. Forgive me, Lord, for saying that. You understand? And if you got to do it 50 times a day, so what? Do you know that Jesus said to Peter, forgive your brother seven times 70, which basically means as many times as your brother messes up, forgive him. Now, if God held Peter 
and us to that standard. Do you think he's going to say, oh, you messed up? Uh, forget it. You can't do it anymore. You know, you, you, you can't do it anymore, Sandy. That's it. You're out. You're Chances are up. No, Marianne, no more for you. Grace is done for you. You can't, you can't have any more. Your, 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 your grace card is over. No, no. As many times as we come to the Lord and we say, Lord, forgive us for this or Lord, forgive us for that. You know, he will. He's, he's faithful to forgive us that way. Amen. Amen. You know, confess and Amen. repent. <laughs> Admit to God that you can't do it anymore. You understand? Admit to him, Lord, I can't do it. I can't do it. I've tried dealing with the situation just like I did with the plane ticket. Just, I, Lord, I can't. I can't. These people keep telling me. And they keep telling me and telling me and telling me I can't do this. I, I, and, and you know what, Lord? They're right. I can't. They kept telling Mr. Calvo, there's nothing you can do. Mr. Calvo, there's nothing you can do. I'm saying, thank you, Jesus. You're actually talking to me through the unbelievers. Mr. Calvo, there's nothing. But you know what, God? You're bigger than this situation. You understand? And, and basically, your faith confession, okay, is what changes your position. You understand? If you confess good things over your situation, positive things, godly things, what the scripture says about your situation, you're going to see, you're going to see fruit from it. Your words are seed. Life and death are in the power of the tongue, and those who indulge in it shall eat the fruits of it. Which means that if your words, are seed. The only thing that brings forth fruit is seed. You understand? So if you're speaking faithful words, then your fruit of those faithful words is going to be a, a, a fruit of positive outcome. You understand? But if you don't, if you speak negative, okay, what you plant, you're, you can't plant tomatoes in the ground and come up with cucumbers, can you? You understand? So if you want, if you want a very, a positive, fruitful situation, you better be speaking positive, fruitful words over your your situation determined to be different determined to be different change your will change your will it's that simple i i will not do this anymore i god today i change my will it's not my will let your will be done it's not my will because i know what my will is my will is to always complain my will is to always tell god i can't do, I, you know i i don't know if i can do this i don't know if you can do this god, that is my will my will is always going to be negative when I'm allowing my flesh to control my body. But when I let my spirit control me, as it, as it says here in, um, in Ephesians 4.23, all things are different. All things change. Stop the fear. Fear is negative faith. Take that word out of your vocabulary. I'm afraid. I'm afraid. No, no. Fear is the only kind of fear that you need to have seed because the Bible talks about, they say, well, what about fearing the Lord? We don't fear the Lord like, we fear the Lord. It's kind of an awe, okay? Wow, he's awesome. You understand? It's awestruck, okay? That, that's the kind of fear that we have for the Lord. Not a fear like God's going to come and, you know, zap us with a lightning bolt. We don't fear God that way. We love the Lord. The Lord loves us. He's got great plans for you, plans not to hurt you. So submit to those today. Let him change your attitude. Submit your attitude today. Repeat after me. Say, Father, Father, Father I, repent I repent of my negative attitude, my negative attitude and my negative confession. From this day forth, let your will be done in my life. Lord, let your Holy Spirit convict me 
of any negative words that come out of my mouth that cancel anything that you will for me in my life. Father, we give you thanks and praise, and until we meet here again, we bless your holy name in Jesus' name. Amen.